morning, everyone. Good morning. Nice to see you. Pleasure. Good luck. What happened? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we're learning Lili Nishmas Avram Ben Shammai and Levora Bas Yisrael Yaakov, Tommy's parents, actually. Tommy's not here today. Um, okay. So, it's good to see everybody. The good news is my computer was working like a dream this morning. The bad news is that the photocopier is not working this morning. So I have a copy. You don't. Haha. Um, okay. So let's uh, let's uh, get back to ourselves here and um, what we're up to. Last week we talked about. We dwelled a little bit more on the Pasuk of Rabba Ras Adam Ba'aretz, where we talked about this very interesting phenomenon that was present here of the, the destruction of seed, the lack of a desire to build, which is, was just another expression, but a very sharp and poignant one of a phenomenon that we have seen leading up to the Darham Abel. Mm-hmm. And Hashem, the way you would usually translate this term is, and Hashem regretted that he made man on the earth, and he was saddened or anguished to his heart. How do they translate it? Could you actually read to me the translate read to us the translation? And Hashem reconsidered having made man on earth, and he had heartfelt sadness. Okay. And he had heartfelt sadness. Okay. So is from the term Otsev. Otsev. Otsev means to be sad. Um, we will, Emir Hashem, dwell a little bit more on this term, but not so much today. Um, but we'll just take it for now as this t- description of sort of heartfelt sadness. Of course, it's Kivayochal, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have a, uh, a muscle that pumps blood inside of him, that we, what we refer to as a heart. But, um, but, so they say Vayinochem Hashem is that he reconsidered. And the reason why they're saying that is because of Rashi, uh, Rashi's was, interpretation of this Nechama. But this really wasn't a surprise. I mean, okay. you, have, you know, you have choices out there, you go left, right, or whatever. And he was disappointed in the choice that was made. Right. So Vayinochem, uh, the question is again, is it, <coughs> is, is it a surprise? God ever surprised? Right. And so the the philosophical questions that may or may not arise from this pasuk, you know, surround uh, some of the philosophical questions that may or may not arise from this pasuk surround the point which you made now. So the way we're going to go about this, as you would have seen on your sheets, is that we're going to start with Rashi, and Rashi says as follows: Was that? Page 14 and 15. Page 14 and 15. There was a comfort before him, or there was a nechama before him, let's say that, that he created him down here. Because had he been from the Elyonim, he would have caused their rebellion. Now, what does that mean? So the, we're going to see Amir Sashem. All of this Rashi virtually is, uh, not all of it, but all, uh, virtually all of the Rashi is taken from the, the Medrash. And the Medrash is noting one particular word that's found here in the Pasuk. Vayinochem Hashem, Hashem, whatever Vayinochem means, reconsidered, that he made man Bo'oretz, that he made man on the earth. Not, it doesn't say Hashem regretted that he made man. It says that he made man Ba'aretz, that he made man on the earth. So that phrase is going to cause us some question, some consternation, and some enlightenment, I should say. That let's, let's be a little bit more positive here, folks. Right? It's going to bring us some enlightenment in the Pasuk, that it doesn't just say again that Hashem uh, had Nechama that he made man, bo, made, made man. He made man Ba'aretz. So... We're going to deal with this Emir Hashem again some more because there's a very, very deep issue that this deals with uh, that you'll see from Rashi's answer. But 
This first Rashi is saying that Nechama, Vayinochim Hashem, means not that Hashem regretted, but that Hashem was comforted. You know, one of the terms of, of for Nechama, of course, is comfort. Shabbos, Nachamu, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, be comforted, be comforted, my people. So maybe Hashem felt good. He said, oh, I've already described in all these psukim how terrible man was, how his actions were bad, how his plans and plottings were bad. Ay vey, he's terrible. But you know, Hashem said, it's good he's down there, says Rashi. Imagine to... if he would be up here. What havoc he would wreak up here. At least he's only destroying the Aretz. If he'd be up here, he'd be destroying the Shomayim. Of course, there are a couple of assumptions that go into that com- that kind of a comment, and we have to deal with them. And again, they are one of the big subjects in this pasuk. Not today's subject, punt. <laughs> I'm sorry for using a football analogy. If that's painful for anybody around the table, but, but man does um, destroy the shemayim. When when we do wrong down here, it affects what's up there. Yes, it has an effect in the Shamayim, but he says, he would get them as well to rebel. That's how far it would have gone. That's how far it would have gone. So again, we'll see, we'll read a little bit in the Medrash, but again, it's not going to be our major focus for today. continues Rashi. And man became sad to the heart of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay? Not that God felt heartfelt sadness, but man became saddened to the heart of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does that mean? It came into the thought of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, El Libay is the Libay of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to make man sad. The Mabul certainly qualified in that category. Right? So the way he is saying it is, it's not that HaKadosh Baruch Hu became sad, it's that man became sad. Zehu Targum Unkulus. This is the translation of Unkulus. Okay? So, so uh, that Targum Unkulus that he's referring to is not the first part of the Targum Unkulus. The Sav Hashem Memre, if you look below, you'll see the Targum Unkulus Hashem returned on his word, that he made man on the earth. Sounds like regret. And that's the way it makes it that Hashem returned with his word for having made man on the earth. And that's very troubling. And then the Omar, and he said that he would break the strength of man according to Hashem's will. That's Hashem's lave. The Targum never will translate about a physical organ of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it says, Kiruse, rather it says his will. And he said that he would break the strength of man. So Vayisatsev is not that Hashem is sad, but that man will be saddened. Man will be uh, broken up. The Sav Hashem B'Memre is that Hashem returned from what he had said. And I was originally he had created the world and now he was destroying the world. That's the way this Pasuk reads according to him. Again, not the first part of his translation that Hashem was comforted that he made man on earth is not at all uh, the version of the Targum. The second piece is the way Rashi derives from the Targum Oklus. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that he would make man sad. Not that man becomes sad. Why would we choose to translate it that way? Well, a notion of sadness by HaKadosh Baruch Hu might be a little bit difficult for some people to handle as well. So maybe that's why, instead of saying that God became sad, instead it says that he made man sad. Okay, we'll see more. Dovar Acher, another interpretation, says Rashi, Vayinachem, the thinking of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way of thinking of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, moved from compassion to judgment. He thought, what should he do with man who he had created on this earth? Okay, so you understand what Rashi is doing here. He's also rolling in the word Ba'aretz 
to um, to the to the statement, rather than it being Hashem was comforted the first shot because he made man down here. He said, oh, at least he's only down here. No. Hashem was reconsidering and changing his attitude regarding the man who he had created on this earth. The term nichum means to consider, to reconsider what to do. Right, this is a classic one, and we're going to use this. Loi ish kel v'yechazev, Bilam Harasha said, God is not a man who will lie. Uven Adam, or a, man, a son of man, v'yisnecham, to change his mind, to reconsider. V'yalav adav yisnecham, v'yinochim Hashem alo ra'ah, all of these psukim, the term nechama cannot be translated as comfort. The term nechama is translated in all of these cases most accurately as reconsideration. They are all terms for having a different thought than was had previously. So this is the second approach of Rashi to Vayinochem. Vayinochim Hashem is that he felt differently. And the way he expressed it simply is that HaKosh Baruch went from Rachmim, from trying to keep the world going, which was the patience of Hashem that had manifested itself throughout this time of the failures of man, and now he moves to uh, a judgment pose. We have to do something about what's happened to the world. And again, HaKosh Baruch is changing. That's always what it means. Now it's an interesting thing because one pasuk says, "Hashem is not a person who changes his mind," and meanwhile this pasuk says that Hashem changed his mind, and all those other psukim. I regret, I changed my mind that I made Shaul the king. So Hashem does change his mind. Big problem, small problem. Let's take a look for a couple of minutes here. Jump down, before we do the next paragraph, to the Chizkuni on the bottom of the page, who I think articulates this very, very practically and beautifully. <laughs> a person can change his mind as a result of one of three things. One is because the one who made the promise is neglectful. Right? I said I would do it. And then I changed my mind. The second is, not because of pshia, not because I simply changed my mind, but because, look, I promised that I would give everybody right, $5,000. But then I realized that I would run out after half a person. Right? Or, or when he changes his mind. So Pshias Hanaider could be neglect. The Kaiser Yad Hanaider, the limits of the Naider, Datai. Or when he changes his mind. I'm sorry, excuse me. Please forgive me. Forgive me. There's a typo here that is there in the database, and it's a vital, vital typo. Vital typo. The first one is Bipshias Hanidar, not Hanoder, with the failure, the neglect of the one to whom the promise was made. Okay, so reason number one, sorry for, for, for breezing through it, and reason number one is, I made you a promise, but you did something that makes me change my mind. The second is my inability, and the third is my changing my mind. Okay, so I could change my mind because you did something wrong. We have a famous concept, for example, HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes promises, and yet the Avais were still nervous. Why was he fearful? HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I'm going to be with you and I'll guard you wherever you go. However, he was worried, Shema Yigrem Hachet. Maybe sin would cause a change in his fate. Maybe he did something wrong that would cause him to lose it. Hashtayim ba'adam. 
two of these are possible only by man. Kimai, the kaitzer yad hanayder b'ischalif datay, a inability, an inability to keep the promise, or just changing your mind on your own. Those are possible by man; they're not possible by God. Vashlishis nemar bekama mukai meseisal kodesh baruch hu pshias hanidar. Here it's spelled properly, right? And the third we find many times with hakodesh baruch hu, or several times with hakodesh baruch hu. That is, when the person to whom the promise is made fails, as we have it here, that was the last posuk which the Rashi brought as an example of this terminology. I regret that I made Shoal the king. Why did Hashem regret that he made Shoal the king? Because of how Shoal carried out the duties of being the king or failed to properly follow through on the war of Amalek. So Hashem says, I regret it. Why? I changed my mind. I decided I don't like Shoal so much. No, Shoal behaved in a way that made it that I needed to change my mind. One moment I will think about a nation to, to move and to destroy, and then that Goy, that nation, will turn from its evil. And I will nichamti. I will change my heart on the bad that I thought to do. And one moment I'll think about a nation to build and to plant. And they'll do that which is bad in my eyes. And I'll change my mind about the good. So that Pasuk says very explicitly that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will think uh, will think one way, but then their actions will change the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu will think. Now, it's a complicated matter because there is such a thing that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu communicates that he's going to do good, he will not change his mind. <clears throat> but that's uh, that's beyond the scope of our discussion today. Ah, uh, what does Bilam say when he says, man, God is not a man who changes his mind. That means when the person did nothing negative to change his status. In the Pesukim there, it speaks about Hashem not seeing any negative thing in Yaakov. So if he doesn't see any negative thing, he's not going to retract. Okay, so that's the that's the critical uh, distinction. Um uh, that's the critical distinction which which Cheskuni says, which we're going to pause at here for now. And that is that to speak about HaKadosh Baruch Hu not changing his mind is when people haven't changed. But when people change, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to, of course, adjust, appro- adjust appropriately. That's the whole notion of Din, which is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu reacts to the things that people do. Back up to the Rashi, if you will. The next paragraph. And he was saddened to his heart. He was mourning over the loss of his handiwork. When the king was saddened over his son, Avshalim. He says, and this I have written in response to the heretics. A non-Jew asked Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha. Don't you acknowledge that HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what will happen? But it says that Hashem was sad. Saddened means he looked. And he said, look what happened. It sounds like a surprise. He says, tell me something. Did you ever have a child? What did you? I rejoiced. I brought joy to others. Didn't you anticipate that in the end he would die? At the time of joy, we're joyous. At the time of grief, we grieve. Meaning that even if it's predictable, even if the negative is predictable, it doesn't mean that one doesn't have the first phase, and it doesn't mean that one doesn't feel sadness at the second phase. They knew it was coming. <laughs> a person could be lying ill for, for, 
for, for, for, for months and months and months and months, and everybody knows where it's going, but when something happens and they don't even have that, when the person dies, they're sad. They're not surprised. They're not shocked. But there's a new reality that sets in. And the sadness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu should not be seen as some kind of a shock or a surprise. Even though he knew that in the end they would sin and he would have to destroy them, he didn't withhold from creating them. Because there could be positivity here. There could be righteous people who would stand from them. Now Rashi seems to take a little curve here at the end. One could have just said that the, you know, at the time of joy, there's joy. At the time of sadness, there's sadness and finished. But he's also explaining the other part of it, which is if HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what's going to happen, and he knows that he's going to be sad, and so I understand that the feeling of sadness only comes later, but why create a world which is going to end in sadness? And the answer is, it's not going to end in sadness. There'll be pieces of sadness. There'll be significant sadness, like we have when the world has to be destroyed, but the whole world wasn't destroyed. There were tzaddikim, there was a Nayach, and Nayach would, was a righteous one who withstood the Mabul, and Nayach was a righteous one who there would be a, a, a regeneration of the world as a result. <coughs> so let's go over Rashi. The first approach of Rashi is completely different. And Rashi brings two components, not directly connected to one another. They're the same pasuk, so of course there's some connection. But number one was saying HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt better looking at what a mess man had made. He said, I'm glad I didn't let him into the palace. I'm glad I didn't bring him up here in Shemayim. If he'd be in Shemayim, he would have made a mess of Shemayim. Instead, he only made a mess of the earth. So Hashem felt better about that. That's Nechama in the sense of consolation a normal usage of the term Nechama. Is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I'm going to bring sadness upon him. He did bad things, I'm going to bring sadness upon him. So we don't have sadness by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem in his heart, quote unquote, or his word, in Unkulus says that he will be, that man has to be saddened, man has to be broken down, man has to be destroyed. Then Rashi goes to a different approach. And he says, Vayinachem is not meaning comforting. It means a change of mind, a change of heart. And Rashi brought all kinds of illustrations of reconsideration. And we explained that while God doesn't whimsically change his mind, but as a result of the actions of man, God will change his mind and his attitude towards people. But one second, then we start asking philosophical questions. How does God come to change his mind? Right? What's going on? Why is he saddened? Is he surprised? And we say, no, Kodesh Baruch Hu is not surprised. Kodesh Baruch Hu knows what's going to happen. But nevertheless, he goes and he invests in a world in, with the hope of life. When things happen, even though they, to some degree, they are inevitable, the sadness <coughs> registers. The fact that it was inevitable <coughs> doesn't take away the sadness. But in terms of, oh, Kodesh Baruch Hu is surprised, he regretted, he wished he hadn't made the whole world, no, he didn't regret that he hadn't, hadn't had made the whole world, right? But rather, he said he's going to have to destroy the world. So he has a change of heart about the inhabitants of the world at this point in time, and he has to destroy most of it you know, to, in order to be able to create something else. That's how Rashi conveys this matter to us. Rashi's source is from the Medrash, Bereshus Rabbah, very direct source, I, the, the most classic medrash that we have is the medrash Rabbah. And uh, let's read it, which is, it's source Dalit on your sheet. Anyone who studies medrash consistently knows that Ravida and Rav Nechemia are, in medrash, are almost like the Abaye Verov of the Gemara. Very, very frequently you find they, them as the two debating counterparts. Rav Yudha Amar, he says, I regret that I created him down here. Hashem, Vayinochem is a term of regret. And Toyeh, Tevahus, right, the term Toheh, Tov, Vav, Hey, Hey, 
means regret. Right? Chazal speak about a person who is toha ala rishonos. He wishes he hadn't done what he did before. Right? It could be said in a negative sense. It could be said in a positive sense. In other words, he regretted he did something bad, or a very bad thing is to regret having done something good. That's called that. That creates a dissociation from the good action and from its rewards. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "I regret that I made man ba'aretz." Okay, so again, I, excuse me. We'll, we'll, we're going to spend a little time later talking a little bit off of the page. And I know sometimes when you learn on the page, it can become, you know, quote, tedious in its rigor. But it's very important. And we have to learn. You have to learn the words. And this medrash is also dealing with that one word, Ba'aretz. Just as the first shot of Rashi. Remember, the second shot of Rashi almost didn't focus on it so much. He said, Hashem regretted the creation of man, which was on this earth. Right? He had a change of heart about the creation of man. The first shot of Rashi was, Hashem was comforted that he made man on earth. Oh, he's only on earth. Goodness. Right, thank goodness he's only on earth. This line of the Medrash is not like that Rashi in terms of the way it's interpreting it because it's not refer, ref, interpreting Nechama as comfort. It's, refer, it's interpreting Nechama, as Rashi later did, as regret. But it's also pointing to the word Ba'aretz. He regretted that he made man Ba'aretz. What does that mean? If I didn't create him from the earth, if he was created from above, he wouldn't be rebelling. Understand? And this, of course, is more typical of the kind of stuff that we found before. Like, let's say, in the last Pasuk, Rabba Ras Adam Ba'aretz. Right? So there was, you know, part of interpretation there was the, the earthiness. And we've talked about it all the way through, the B'nai Elohim, the B'nai Adam. The earthiness, which is part of a human being, is what creates the problem. Part of us was created heavenly from the Shammai, and part of us was created earthy from the earth. The earth part is what creates that tension of a Bechira for a negative direction. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu regretted, quote-unquote, that man has this earthiness <clears throat> in him. If man was all Elyonius, then there would be nothing that would be wrong. Rav Nechemia Amar, no, Rav Nechemia is what Rashi quotes. He says, no, Nechama is not reconsideration. Nechama is comfort, which is also reconsideration. Thinking differently is to become comforted. Instead of feeling grief, one feels, starts to feel better. So he says, I feel good that I created him down here because this way he only made a mess down here instead of making a mess in heaven. You understand how different Rav Yudah and Rav Nechemi are? We don't understand. <laughs> In other words, we see how, how, how different they are. The, right, the understanding we don't have yet, and Mir's Hashem, again, that's for, a, for Be'ezus Hashem Linetor, for a future installment. Right? We're, we're going to talk about that contrast. You understand how it is. One of them says, it's only because he's an earthy being that he is trouble. If he'd be a heavenly being, he wouldn't be trouble. The other one said, if he would be up here in heaven, if he'd be a heavenly being, he would be causing much more fundamental trouble. Could man mess up the spirit? Could man mess up the spiritual world? Is the spiritual world the saving grace of man? According to Rav Yehuda, that's the saving grace, is the spiritual world. Hey, it's only because he's down here that we have any problems from him at all. Rav Nechemia says, we would have problems from him, period. He's on earth, a klenetzara. <clears throat> Small problems. If he'd be in heaven, it would be huge problems. It's a big, big thing to understand in that. If he would be in heaven, would there be problems? I understand, Rav Nechemia, that if there would be problems, there would be bigger problems. But why would there be problems? Is that because he's earthy? Okay. So maybe he's an earthy being who comes up to heaven. So, yes, it can focus on the earthiness. But one way of understanding it is that Hashem 
regretted that he created him with any earthiness. If he hadn't created him with any earthiness, there would be no problem. But if the other is, not, not a question that he has earthiness, but in his earthiness and heavenliness, where does he go? Does this combination of earthiness and heavenliness reside down here? Or does this combination of earthiness and heavenliness reside up there? He could be a dual citizen. I thought you couldn't be simultaneously earthy and spiritual in the heavens. Who said? Well, I thought we have this principle that, uh, for example, Moshe Rabbeinu asked God to show him, no, you can't see it while you're physical. Doesn't it say, for instance, that Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the heavens to get the Torah? It does, but maybe physicality was not part of that. At all. He didn't need to drink? Okay. <clears throat> so this goes into this discussion. But look, if you can understand that a soul which is heavenly could somehow be part of a person who's on earth, why can't you understand that on some level a body which is earthy could be part of a human being that would be up in heaven? This way, that way. So maybe Rav Yehuda and Rav Nechemia, again, they're completely different interpretations of the same word, but in a certain sense not contradictory interpretations. Maybe. Rav Yehuda is is saying, Ay, there's earthiness in him, that is what has caused him his problems. Rav Nechemia says, there's earthiness in him, but he's down there on earth. And God chose to put this earthy, heavenly combination on earth instead of bringing it up to the heavens. That's better. That's better, to put that duality down here instead of having that duality up there. Not simple matter. And Mir Tashem will try to explore it more closely. I, I, I keep saying Blinetter and so on and so forth because you're always supposed to say that about something which you learn. But this is a, a sugya gedola. This is a big and a hard sugya about, I'll just give you the headline for it, is that, you know, in a human being, we t- we've talked about, t- touched upon this a little bit before, is that, that we understand that there are sort of like these different levels of soul that exist within a human being. Right? In, in Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, those are the, the famous three. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. You know, in the Chaya Yechida, there are, there are other levels of soul even beyond that. What are, what are the grades of souls? So the grades of souls is, is, is how much that soul is part of the physical human being. You know, cats, dogs, lions, tigers, bears have souls too. That's why they walk. That's why they move. But it's a nefesh bahamis. Exactly. It's an animal soul. It's a soul which is very much part of the physical person. As you move up on the rung of the souls, the soul is more transcendent, more removed. And so when you talk about the person, the physicality with the soul in it down here, or the soul with the body with it up there, this dynamic is what has to be considered. How tied to a soul that could go to heaven would be the physicality that's associated with it. We're not necessarily talking about people marching around up there. But even to the extent that the neshama is colored by its physical connection. I know it sounds vague. It is difficult, vague, and something which, again, Meir Tashem, hopefully at another time we will talk about some more. Omar of Eivol. Is, is, is Rashi saying that the Medrash uh, comes to a conclusion, or is he just saying that, that his... He prefers one view. Rashi chooses a view in the matter. She does it very often. Right. There's no conclusion between these two here. He's choosing a view to highlight something something new. It's a much bigger chiddush, the first one, the, the, the Rav Nechemia than Rav Yehuda. Right? I regret that I created him with physicality. Look what's happening. He's about the physicality. That's very much with the theme. 
the idea that if he would be in heaven, that's a little bit more complicated. And uh, just as a note to recall, we have been talking also about Malachim who came down and sinned and so on and so forth, right? Remember, I think we mentioned that last week. You know, you know. So this goes with that that we also have punted on. I had regret that I created within him an evil inclination. If he didn't have Yetzirah, he wouldn't rebel against me. Now, we would say that that's basically what he said he created him from the earth. That's where the Yetzirah comes from. I am and again, that's the word of comforting that I made him, but put him in the land. So these two seem to be the same opinion, just expressed differently. Rabbi Evo and Rabbi Levi are arguing like Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Nechemia. But now the Medrash goes on to the next phrase. There was a prince who built a palace using an architect. He saw the product and he didn't like it. Who does he get angry at? Not on the designer. Cain. Hashem was saddened to his heart. What does that mean? His heart had created the world. I'll tell you a different mashal. There was a Sar who did business through an intermediary, and he lost in the business. Al Who does he get upset at? Le'el Hasirsur, not on the intermediary. So too Hashem was saddened to his heart. Now, don't worry. If you have no idea what this medrash means, Ramban quotes this medrash, and he says, "The Husayd Gadol, Lo'initen Likasev." It is a great secret. It's not to be written. Whatever. So he goes on to get even more mystical. <coughs> Continues. So now the Medrash brings what Rashi quoted. There was a heretic. Rashi said, Goy. A heretic who asked Rabbi Shua ben Karcha, don't you acknowledge that Hashem anticipates? But it says he was sad. It sounds like you got a sad surprise. So he says exactly what Rashi quoted. Did you ever have a child? Didn't you know that, you know, that it would come to an end? At the time of joy, there's joy. That's what he says, and that's where it stops. For seven days Hashem mourned over his world before the Mabel came to the world. Right? It says, it will say in next week's parsha, it will be after seven days that Hashem brought a Mabel on the arts. So the Medrash doesn't bring the final line of Rashi that nevertheless he created the world with the hope of what good would come from it. But there's this idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu anticipates and he is saddened. The question we have to deal with still is, so what does it mean when we speak about sadness when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? It's still something which is a little bit hard to wrap our, uh, our, our heads around. Is it sadness or disappointment? Um, explain. Uh, there's a, I, I, I don't have the vocabulary quite, but I would say disappointment is a is a feeling that comes about as a result of an anticipated or expected result, and it was not met. Whereas sadness could come from that, but sadness is a different type of emotion. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would have said, I would have said that disappointment reflects less on the person who feels it. In other words, if you see a person walking around, you don't say, oh, that person is disappointed. That person is sad. Disappointment sometimes translates into sadness and sometimes not. Right. You know, 
you know, if 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 uh, this is a as like a as like a silly example. Okay, I don't know. I just don't know why I have this idea. Let's say a person's favorite football team <laughs> lost a big game. Hypothetically. Huh? Hypothetically. 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 Let's say a person's favorite football team lost a, lost a good game. So a person could be disappointed, and a person could be sad. Sad is much more, you know, their, their whole being has changed as a result of, of it. They're walking around, they're schlepping, they're out there... Because the point is, you know, it would have been nice if they won, you know, it'd be exciting, you know, and, and and so on and so forth. They didn't win. Okay. Disappointed. Weiter. Doesn't didn't change me. Right? Sadness is more of a term of change. And Vaisatsev is a term of sadness. And the best indication of it is the the grammatical form of it. Vaisatsev is a term to dis, to become something. To become atzev, vayisatzev means to become atzev. It's not such a term for disappointment. Disappointment is, is a little bit more detached, right? Uh, uh, you know. Okay, fine. So the distinction you're making is an important distinction, and it it finds its way in here to some degree because that's part of the philosophical problem, <clears throat> the deeper philosophical problem than just didn't he know that this could happen. Right, to that we have a simple answer. <laughs> he knew that it could happen. He maybe knew that it would happen. It doesn't mean that when it happens, he enjoys it. But the Yisatzev, Hashem changes. I, I remind you, we said it at the beginning briefly, but there, the term Atzev is borrowed in the Gemara. In the Gemara, it says, Atsev, when it speaks about something which is small and tight. And it speaks about Seichek, when it speaks about something which is broad, expansive. For example, there's such a thing as a Amma or a Tefach Atsev and an Amma or a Tefach Seichek. For example, a Tefach is a fist breadth. You could have a tight fist. You can have a relaxed fist. You could have a fist of a small person, and you could have a fist of a big person. The small one is called otzev. The big one is called seichik. Otzev means sad. Seichik means laughing. What on earth does that mean? But when a person is sad, they're like this. Withdrawn. Withdrawn, exactly. When a person is happy, they're... Ha, 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 ha. Right? They're expansive. Vayis Atzev? Hashem shrunk? You understand the philosophical problem? You're describing a transformation in the divine. Not a action or reaction, it seems, but a transformation. Uh, Perhaps. I don't, I don't, I, uh, I don't think so. But, but perhaps. Radak. Mashamar vayinochem dibur Torah b'lshoim bnei adam. The Torah speaks in the language of people. Kialderach emes loy adam huli necham kein shinu chevitz ba yisbarak b'yisala. Listen to the Radak. Hashem changed his mind. Hashem's not a person that changes his mind. So it's just said, so to speak, in the language of people. It, it says it, Belashon Bnei Adam, Belashon Hashal. So he hasn't explained what it means. He's just explained what it hasn't means. Sadness of Hashem is also metaphoric. Hashem, in truth, doesn't have happiness or sadness. He doesn't change from characteristic to characteristic. But one second, I said there's no sadness and there's no joy. There is a Pasuk. Hashem will rejoice in his creatures. But he says it's all metaphoric. Just like a person is happy with something good and saddened by something bad. So we say about Hashem, in borrowed terms. 
Asimcha vayitzavain ba'adam, believe, when we speak about by a person, it's a feeling which is felt in the heart, and therefore, in the same way, it says Eliboy. It says in the heart of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Radak is being completely, completely arm's length from this whole pasuk of Vayinochem, Vayisatzev. These are all borrowed terms entirely. With a person, we would describe it this way: he would change his mind, he would feel bad. Borrowed terms entirely. It's anthropomorphizing. What? It's anthropomorphizing. Anthropomorphizing, correct. Great, great Scrabble word. Ubebracious Rabba, Goyechot Shalos Rabishua and Karcha, Amarle, Enatem, Amishakosh Baruch, Reyes, and Nail, Amarle, Envox, if I know him, he's out of Eliboy. So he quotes this Medrash again. Uh, uh, exactly the way we just read it. And in the end of the Radak, he makes the same diuk of Ba'aretz of the Medrash. And he says, look at what he says, two lines from the end. You know that man was made on this earth. Ba'aretz means he made him earthy. The higher person is more godlike than he is earthy. He regretted the man who became earthy. He didn't create, regret the Nayaks of the world who weren't earthy, who weren't Ba'aretz. So that's Rashi at the end. Huh? That's the end of Rashi. It's the end of the Medrash. Rashi yeah, the, didn't say that. Oh, oh Rashi says that uh, maybe Tzadik and Mokam, so he wasn't completely... Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but he's doing it to explain the Ba'aretz. You know, that, that piece of the Medrash. He's taking a side in the Medrash, and he's incorporating, he's saying that there's another kind, and it's a little troubling because he didn't make man earthy, right, as opposed to the man who he made righteous, he made man, and he put him on the earth, and then man decided that he'd become earthy rather than rather than otherwise. So the way he divides it is a little troubling. Okay, but we still have this issue. So he says, it's not discussing about HaKadosh Baruch Hu at all, it's not, no, no, this is true about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So why does it say it? What does it mean, the L'Shoin Hashola? So, I'm going to tell you, you can look a little bit, we printed a little bit of it, the Maral writes about it in the Gur Aryeh, Maral writes about it very significantly in the Be'er Hagayla, a very important philosophical issue, philosophical matter, which is really the one for us, the, the, I guess the, the thought, after working through some of these sukim and the words and you know, what, what's going on and opening up some of the sugis, let's just spend the time that we have here now to discuss that sugi. So what does it mean if Hashem doesn't get sad? It sort of says it, but it doesn't mean it. And to have a description of that Hashem in some way shrinks. So this is the way that not only the morale of Prague teaches in discussing this Pasuk explicitly, but it's discussed by Rishonim, Yacharonim, and very, very important. Hashem doesn't change. But on the other hand, to some degree, we have many descriptions of Hashem potentially changing. Those changes are not changes in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, where He is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is what He is. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a world <coughs> using something called Simtsum, he created that there would be something that would be there beyond himself, that he could enter, that he could fill, that he could define, that he could transform. That's not a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's the world. The variable is the effect of the Rabbonu Shalom on the world. And that grows and shrinks all the time. It grows and shrinks moment to moment. That's not the essential God. The essential God is what he is. But God had this enterprise. We call it the enterprise of hatava, of guv, of goodness, of giving, of giving of himself, of creating something, and that something would have good, would have ultimate good, certainly, when 
it would be an expansion. It would be more of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The ultimate wish of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was to say, there's no goodness, just mine, and I don't want goodness for myself. It is not good to be alone. You want to share the goodness. Good and give good. You, you know, you never make a bracha on taiv. Right? If a person gets themselves a brand new suit, what bracha do they make? That's such a beautiful bracha. Wow, amazing. How would you compare the bracha shechiyano the kimono the giyano azmanazeh to the bracha of hatayva meitav? Which one do you think is better? If I just asked you this, you didn't know any any halacha, you were ignorant. Which one would you say is better? I mean, like you know, you can think shechiyano. Well, we hatayva meitav like ha ha ha. It doesn't go anywhere. Right, and uh, what I mean is, excuse me for being for being a little bit facetious, right? But shachiyonu is it's like it's like a delicious bracha. Like when you say that bracha, like, like you know, you can spit out that bracha, like you can spit out any bracha. But like, Kodesh bracha, you gave me life, you sustained me, you allowed me to achieve to reach this point in time. Wow, and that's the inferior bracha. Why? It's all about you. Yeah. Right? If a person buys a suit, they make a shechiyano. If a person buys a house, they make a tevameit. Why? They're not excited about reaching this moment? They are. They're very excited about it. But you know, they say, you are good and you share good. You don't keep it to yourself. And look what you just did. That's what you gave me. You gave me good, and I can relate to it. Hey, one second, you gave me good, so I say shechiyonu. But I get to share this good. This good isn't just for me. This is something, my suit I don't share. My house I share. It's a much bigger bracha. It could be expanded. That's the Rabbi Nishalala. So what did he do? He created us so that he can give to us. So, what gives? Excuse the pun. Do we get it? Hashem wipes the face of the earth clean from all those people who He created to give to. He destroys them. And He is sad and shrunken by destroying them. Why? Because they frustrated his desire to give. They frustrated his desire to give. And that is the shrinking of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu by himself, he is what he is. Nothing can change him. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to expand, to give more. But that depends on the recipients. It depends on us. That's why we have such a, for example, Tzur Yilotcha Teshi, Vatishkach Kel Mochelulecha, the Tzur, the rock that bore you, that gave birth to you, Teshi. What does it mean, Teshi? It could mean you neglected, you abandoned, Vayitosh, with a tough. And it could mean, Hitashtem Kaychai, you weakened his strength. Why, why did you weaken his strength? You're not allowing him to give. Ramchal writes, there's a nice place. For some reason, nobody's in a rush to get there. It's called Olam Haba, the world to come. But there are two kinds of Olam Haba. There's Olam Haba, which exists today. That's where Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Eliyahu, Novi, David, Amelech, Shlema, Kabach, where all of those people are, Right? Uh, there's an Olam Haba. It's called Olam Haba because, not that it's not yet created, but because it's in everybody's hopeful future. It's there, but it's not where we are now. It's where we will be after 120 years. 
But then there's another Olam Haba. And that Olam Haba is a world that is yet to exist. A world where things will be regenerated, recreated, where the souls will come back into the bodies. That hasn't happened yet for Avram, for Yitzhak, for Yaakov, for any of those people. Writes the Ramchal. Ramchal subscribes to this significantly that the ultimate world, it's a machlaikas we shine, and virtually everybody held like this except the Rambam, that the ultimate goal is not the world of the Neshamas, it's the world when we will come back into physical existence. Like Adam Arishan was in Gan Eden, as described in the Pasuk. Says the Ramchal, when a person's soul leaves this world, the body goes into the ground, the soul goes into Elam HaNashamas, it's a nice place. In certain ways, the Neshama is very happy there. Why? Because it's not Ba'oretz. Because it doesn't face all the Nujarai of the earth. It doesn't have to worry about physical things, which are just distracting and detracting and causing problems to the neshama. But on the other hand, writes the Ramchal, it's frustrated. Why? Because the neshama was made to share its light with the guf. The neshama was put into the physical body so that it could bring the presence of Hashem into earthiness. To transform to him to be someone who would live forever. And now it's in the Elam HaNeshamas. So what is it? It's, in, it's sitting in Florida. Right? It's on a long vacation. It has no bothers, no difficulties. It doesn't have to bundle up for the cold doesn't have to work for a living. It's living off of whatever they made before. But still, <clears throat> but I'm not getting to give. So the neshama, which is a piece of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is weaker there in the Elam HaNeshamas than it could be because it doesn't get to expand. The shrinkage of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is klapenu, relative to us. Relative to the world, Hashem's inability to give to the world means that Hashem didn't get to expand. You can't change the essential Hashem, but you can limit His giving by not being a worthy recipient. This is such a core principle that we have to understand. It's an understanding both of the limitations of our power and of the huge huge power that we have in our hands. It's not a small thing. My Rebbe Zuchayim Levracha, Rabbi Weinberg, used to say the following thing. He said it many times, many, many, many times. The Mishnah says, right in the beginning of Pirkei Avos, Antignus Ish Socho said, Al tiu kavodim hamesham shemes harav al menas pras. Don't be like servants who serve their master, conditional of getting reward, but be people who do it unconditional of getting reward. Let the heavenly fear be upon you. Have, have fear of heaven. You open up a sefer called Nesilas Yeshorim, bestseller, great one, greatest Musar texts of all time. And the Nesilas Yeshorim begins and it says, the foundation of piety, the root of all good service, is that a person should know what the focus is, what he has to put. What is the target of everything he's doing in the world? And that is that a person has to realize that a person was created to have pleasure from Akkadir Baruch to enjoy the radiance of his presence. And where is that? The real place for that is in Eilam Haba. And the way that he gets there is by doing the things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu instructed. So he has to realize, my goal in life is to get reward in the world to come. And this is the way I get reward in the world to come. And if you focus on that and you realize what the purpose is, and you keep it in front of you, keep your mission statement on your desk, then you will, Bezos Hashem, you'll get there. You just told me that you're not supposed to serve for the sake of reward, and then you say that the purpose of the world is 
that you should be able to come to Elam Abba to be able to get reward. I don't get it. So this is what Rabbi Weinberg used to say. He said, when I was a boy, I went and my parents, my parents sent me to Eretz Yisrael. I went away. I was away for a while. I came back. My mother, for her, it was a yontif that I came back. And she made me my favorite food. And every time I came back, from wherever I went, she made me my favorite food. There was only one problem. And the problem was, after a while, it wasn't my favorite food. I didn't really care for it. I had cared for it, but I didn't really care for it. So what am I supposed to do? If I wanted to have my favorite food, if I wanted to have the pleasure of having my favorite food, I would have told my mother, please don't make this for me. I don't really like it. But what was really at stake here was that my mother wanted to give me pleasure. My goal in that interaction was to let her give me pleasure. Right? How many times did we make that mistake with somebody? Right? Some, whether it was our bubby or our mother or something like that, that you come and she says, can I give you a... I'm not hungry. You're cool when you say that. Your mom is in Russia. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Right? You're doing something wrong. She wants to give you something to eat, for goodness sake. Just eat it. She wants to give you pleasure. Now, the good thing is that the Rabbi Nishalalam, you know, when he wants to give us pleasure, what he gives us will really, really be a pleasure. But what Rabbi brought out was, when you think about the goal of getting pleasure, you can think about the goal of getting it, or allowing the other one to give it. Rav Chaim Volozhner, by the way, says the same thing, and he says gives a great test case for it, and Rav Weimar used to say this on his own. So the nafkamina is, if I can do it, and the pleasure will go to somebody else. Right? These stories about a person selling their elam hapa for a mitzvah. I want to do the mitzvah, Right? Even if I don't get Eilam Abba, or if you get the Eilam Abba. If my goal is that, the, that I'm serving so HaKadosh Baruch will be able to share his goodness with the world, I don't care whether it comes to me or not. I just want him to be able to give. But if it's about me, then it's something else. Shachyon was about me. is tapping into the fact that HaKadosh Baruch is getting the chance to give. And you can only tap into it when you're involved in something where you yourself taste that chance to give. When you're swallowing and swallowing for yourself, you, don't, you, just, you just don't understand the, the greatness of giving. The sadness of HaKadosh Baruch It's not sadness, it's not shrinkage the way we speak about for a person. HaKadosh Baruch is constant. He's constant. But relative to us is what changes. I just want to close by mentioning to you something which is written in the Chuvas Harajba. Very, very choshev. He says that that's part of the transition you have in every bracha. Baruch Hashem. Blessed are you, Hashem. I think it's in the Chuvas Harajba. Our God, King of the Universe. There's a, an objective description of Ato Hashem, of you, HaKadosh Baruch And then there is our God relative to us. There's the being that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then there is the connection that exists to people. And our goal is to expand that as much as possible. There's no bad thing which comes from Shammai. It says in Chazal, what do you mean? There's no bad thing which is initiated by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu just wants to give. We can close the spigots. We can say, excuse me, we're deflecting the good that you want to send our way. We don't want to do that. 
doing that weakens Hashem's presence in the world. And our goal is to expand it. And we expand it by being worthy of it, by welcoming it. And that's what the Dharamabal did not do. Yismach Hashem Masav, Hashem rejoices in his creatures when they welcome him. Have a great day.